You are listening to Aim for the Bushes. I'm your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, and also known as Pavi. And today I have with me two special podcast people, Dexter. Yay, I'm special. And Alex. What is up, you guys? I'm feeling really good. You just called me special. Yeah, Yeah, I'm feeling special. Oh, you guys are feeling special. Okay, nice, nice. Today's episode is the medium is the message. So we'll be getting into that in just a moment. But before we do our non-legal legal disclaimer, we like to share our opinions here. But that doesn't mean that they are the only correct opinions we acknowledge and are open to the fact that other opinions can exist and may in fact be valid. With that out of the way, the medium is the message. So before we get into it, if you don't know what the that saying is, that little phrasing, the medium is the message. If you've never heard it before, if you've never done media studies or any kind of philosophy, it is a media theory from Marshall McLuhan, who is a or who was a renowned media theorist, Canadian also. And was Canadian. Yeah. His theory states that a medium affects a society in which it plays a role, not by the content delivered over the medium, but by the characteristics of the medium itself. So that basically is saying that whatever the individual content of a certain message is, is not as important as the framework surrounding how that content or how that platform is created. That's going to dictate your message. And we're going to get into a few examples of this in case it's still not clear, just to illustrate how that works and how this affects our society. That's why we're talking about it, because this affects greatly uh, our society, as proposed by McLuhan. Twitter, by its nature, has a character limit to what you can say. So that means that, like, inherently, you have to, like, make your message really concise and then because you're making your message concise, you have to like kind of reduce it to its like core elements, which, you know, long term contributes to the polarization of the Internet, which is a whole other topic to get into. <laughs> which will definitely <laughs> I was just going to drop that little nugget there for you. Yeah, but but like, but, you know, like just the, the no, basic that's a good idea that 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 everything on Twitter is small, easily digestible and like, yeah, not nuanced. Well, yeah, that's basically the issue, at least that I have with Twitter and touching on our previous episode uh, of memes is that, yeah, because of the the small character limit, now you can do like a tweet thread, sure. But the main idea of being super quick and concise is that there's no time for reflection and there's no time for nuance. So it boils down to less than whatever it is you're trying to say and more so into whatever the broad strokes are. For like to gain virality because a lot of people tweet stupid shit. Most of the time when people get in trouble for their tweets, it's because they're tweeting stupid shit because they're trying to be funny and clever to yeah. have an impact. Absolutely. And so you're more concerned with the impact than whatever it is you're you're actually trying to say. Yeah, yeah, you're not trying trying to say something profound, you're just trying to get people to notice yeah. you. It also like I feel like it allows for you know exactly you can kind of just go off the cuff right you don't have time for like reflection about the exact like what you're kind of writing right this is perhaps optimistic of me but you could just like write something s- dumb put it out there and be like oh wait a sec uh-huh. well, <laughs> although yeah. I know I'm pretty sure most of the time people already know what the fuck they're doing on Twitter well but like that that also like uh is tied into how people that di- how people digest Twitter right mm. it's like you don't 
spend like an hour sitting down going through through like someone's tweet the way you go through like a book it's like no, you just you look at it for three seconds and you move yeah, on it's reactionary you, you have a visceral reaction you're like oh i hate that you know i hate that i'm gonna write that i hate that or i like it i'm just gonna yeah you're gonna, gonna reply like but you gotta move on the trend quickly because this all contributes to our quick easy fix solution society where it's always yeah. on to the next one. So you got to be moving. You don't have time to reflect. So even though you yeah. can write, like I said, a whole tweet thread on something, if you're not on the current wave, like no one's going to care. No one's going to read what you say. Mm -hmm. And this is, and the polarization that you touched on, that's like what Twitter is banking on. They want that engagement. They want interaction. They want to be able to sell to investors hey, look, people are using our thing. You can advertise on our platform. So it doesn't matter whatever the content is. It's whatever is causing engagement. That's why you see so many prominent like white supremacists because not everything is nice. It would be, it'd be great if we lived in a society where everyone was positive and everyone had nice things to say. But that's, that's not, not how it works. That's not true, right? You want things that are going to get people pissed off or you want things that are going to be polarizing, and, and from yeah. Twitter's end, they don't care because as long as people are using the platform, that's and it's the same thing on YouTube. So you so you see a lot of people who post LGBTQ content get demonetized because it goes against community guidelines. Again, part of the larger status quo so that we dumb. live in. But if you post racist things or white supremacist Nazi bullshit, then it doesn't matter. Because, hey, everyone is entitled to a free opinion, and it, this actually, you know, gets us a lot of views and clicks, and sell, allows us to sell a lot of ads. So, yeah. eh, I think it's really funny that, like, that's part of their community values. <laughs> As a, well, they'll like, never, you, they'll it, never like, admit read, it. Like, if you read the five print of YouTube, it goes like, white supremacy, racism. Hey, okay. Well, check well yeah, they, they don't really give a shit. Like, no, all they really care about right. is, is like engagement like it's just it's like who's we, we want people on youtube we don't really care what they're saying because yeah. i've read i've read responses that youtube has put out on twitter so tying it back to twitter uh, uh -huh. about about responses that when people criticize them and say you know why is this hate allowed on your platform and youtube is always like well we don't stand by hate and discrimination and blah 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 but always that but and yet <laughs> but you know it's like we want people to be able to express themselves right that's always their justification is that well other people can have opinions and if we don't like it that's okay we don't have to like it but we have to let them say it yeah well i mean bottom line it's a business right well exactly like they're, they're not there to uphold ideals they're there to make money so and exactly so that again ties back into the medium yeah is the message because they have their reasons why they're going to take a certain position on things so if your ultimate goal is to generate ad revenue you don't care yeah where it comes from that's why we'll see people uh, i'm just going to extend it out just to like uh celebrities or actors or whatever they may behave in bad ways but if you draw money, you create money for people, you're a big actor, your movies sell, or you're a big singer, your movies, uh, your movies, well, I guess you could be in movies, your albums sell, you're an athlete, people will come to watch the sports team, you're generating billions of dollars for the league or for the industry or for whatever company, 
uh, we can overlook that stuff because you make us money. Yeah. yeah. And then sometimes it gets to a point where it's too big, like the public outrage against a certain someone. Yeah. So like, and the, and yeah, go ahead. Yo, and then that's the moment where they get canceled. It's like it's mm-hmm. like it's like if if you can like sell tickets to your movies, we'll like we'll ignore your spousal abuse. Yeah. But if all of a sudden public opinion changes, we're like, ah, well, no, we're gonna draw the line here because uh, you're no longer useful to us. That's basically so. the name of the game. Yeah. It's like, can you make a... And most of the time when people complain about being canceled, they're not really canceled. Sometimes they lose whatever job opportunity they had, but ultimately they can go somewhere else and still yeah, you, you do lose whatever public it is they face, do. But aside from that, like, I don't know, all this, all these ideas about like, ruin, I feel like your life could be not like ruined effectively at big air quotes right but like you know it's not a good thing to have your public image be defaced and defamed right yeah in your life like, oh yeah but um... if you're like if you're already a successful person like it's not like all that goes away right well i mean it's person to person right like like mm. like uh like like monica Lewinsky, like her life got fucking ruined mm. Right, but but she didn't really have like but she wasn't like, a big famous incredible rich amount person. of fame and success yeah. before that, and then her life went to shit. That's a good point. So if you're someone yeah. on the bottom and this kind of blows up on you, it's a very different experience with someone who is wildly successful, at least financially, yeah, assuming like, they didn't like, like spend like, all their money. Be like Roman Polanski. Yeah, so he's fine. I'm guessing he's able yeah. to do all the th- regardless, right? He's able to do all the stuff. I assume for the most part that he wants to do because he has money and power and influence so it's different compared to someone who doesn't have those things the response uh of society and opportunities that are present to you the idea of a medium doesn't have to be through any specific technology anything can be a medium so uh so like our society or your body whatever the words that we this podcast the words that we speak all can be medium so it's not just something that you brought yeah out. typically you think of it as content and that's like how it was originally conceived of right but like now and more and more right we we were able to like put message like ide- ideologies into certain things and like inherently as like how you were talking about right like a lot of things have kinds of ideologies attached to them without even uh per- being purposeful about it right mm-hmm. yeah um Wait. An example that McLuhan himself gives is like a light bulb as in a medium. So like I said, it could be anything because a light bulb generates content, right? It lights up a room or shines light into the world, but it's devoid of any kind of meaningful content, but it still is something through which information can travel. So it's not like specific. Again, you can't glean anything from it, but it is still there. It still exists. So that that determines a framework, like the filament that the electricity goes. If we're using an incandescent light bulb, just as an example, that dictates what kind of light can shine through. Is it visible light? Is it X-ray? Right. That's all going to depend. But I'm going to transition here to uh, like our society at large, our political discourse, Mm -hmm. our political systems, because this also affects us as people in our day-to-day lives. The form of government that we have, the the specific party that's in power. Uh, you know, that enacts policies and laws that affect us as everyday people, everyday citizens trying to live our lives. Uh, So um, one of the things is that 
if you if you if you're someone that pays attention to to the discourse that goes on, you'll have you know your your government or your party that's in power that forms government, and then you have your opposition parties. Or if you're in, you're in the U.S., you have your opposition party, generally speaking. Uh, and if you ever notice, like most of the time, people don't like voting in elections because everyone thinks it's well, basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. No matter who who you who you vote for, right? You it's always like a choice of the lesser of two evils. Basically, that's usually the expression that you hear, when, or that's the reason why people don't vote at all. They abstain from voting is because they feel like it doesn't matter who you vote in; it's still going to be, be the same end result. And so that's again, that's where the medium in the me- is the message comes into play because it's the framework itself that's going to dictate how the government acts more so than any individual party. So here in Canada, uh, on the provincial level, and I'm sure on municipal levels and at the federal level, you have obviously different parties that lo- fall on the, 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 the political spectrum. You have more left-leaning, more right-leaning, the central parties. Uh, our two governments, basically, on the federal level that have formed government have been either the conservative party or the liberal party. So whenever a party is not in power, they criticize the government. That's kind of like how our system mm-hmm. is set up. So when you are an opposition party and you're criticizing the government or you're proposing your own counter policies or counter laws, you know, to say this is what the government should be doing, uh, you can say whatever you want, basically, because you never have to back that up. I see a lot of progressive parties so like here yeah. in Quebec and like the NDP, like on a national level. Uh, Ideas that I'm not against, so some of the things might be like a universal uh, Medicare for all proposal, or sometimes people will propose free education all the way up to university, uh, higher taxes on corporations, higher taxes on like a certain higher, like 1%, uh, you know, of wealth, like in the country, the, these kind of things, and I'm sure other, other, other ideas as well. And it's all well and good uh, to propose these things, but at the end of the day, you don't have to back that up ever. Yeah, yeah. Well, like at the federal level, we have the NDP, which is like who have never held power. So right. they're kind of like career opposition, right? Like they are always the opposition or and like sometimes they'll join forces with. Normally they're the tertiary party, to be fair. I think yeah, this yeah. Is the they're, first, they're the third party. That they're, normal, they're, they're actually the opposition for a while. Yeah, but, like, but like, uh, like when the conservatives were in power, the liberals and NDP had like like would cooperate as yeah. a, an opposition so they they were like a majority opposition mm-hmm. right with the with their combined power but like because they've never held power and they've always kind of been a third party and an or an opposition like they are they are way more left-leaning than the conservatives are right-leaning or the liberals are left-leaning the liberals are pretty center central, central yeah. but like they're they're more extreme than the other two parties because they can be because they're yeah. they can just speak in ideals and not in practicalities. Yeah, so and like you the see other this, two parties have to. You see the same thing here in, at the provincial level with like Quebec Solidaire. They tend to be more mm-hmm. left leaning, mm-hmm. and they propose generally their platforms. Some of the ideas I had talked about before, such as like uh, increased uh, healthcare coverage, increased uh, education. Uh, in terms of like uh, not paying for SAGEP or not paying for, uh, you know, university schooling, things that are like, again, I agree with, I have no issues with that. But if they were ever to get in power, would they follow through on those things? Because once you get into power, again, the general framework that is the status quo 
puts pressure on you. So can yeah, you live up to that? Can you fight back from all the businesses that are say, hey, we're going to pull out? Or yeah. the, the rich people that say, hey, we're going to move our money. R- rich, wealthy families or individuals are going to say, hey, okay, I got to pull my money out because I don't want to face increased taxation. Yeah. It's an interesting to think about, like, I've always wondered exactly this, like, if uh, a more left-leaning party were to come into power, would they actually be able to um, put in the policies that they had campaigned for, right? And I think that's what it comes, at least not talking about their meat, their ideology or method or whatever, because, like, yep. you know, ex- like you guys have been saying, you can, you can, set, you can tout whatever ideology you want uh, in terms of, like, a politi- as a political party, but practically... Um, that might be a little bit a little harder to do, right? Uh, based on you know pressure from other things, but it's like you'd want to think so, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You'd want to, you'd want to think like, oh, perhaps if you just stuck to your guns, like it it, it, it it appears as a matter of like caving into pressure rather and or like standing up to your integrity rather than actually the fuckery that that all the different things that yeah. come into actually making uh policy into like law and shit like that. Well, and and the other thing about like like if these parties actually come into power is is like the way that you know the system works, the way that parliament works is that like mm-hmm. it it you you do have to at the end of the day re- represent the entire country. Yeah. And even if you are in power, and even if you won a majority government, you still don't re- like re- reflect the entire country if you stick to your like far left leaning ideals because there's all the people who voted conservative and lost. Yeah. disagree with you and you still yeah. have to represent them because your job at that point isn't to do radical change it's to like like work for your work for the population that's it right which is why you get stuck you know maintaining the status quo because that that appeases everyone because everyone's like well i guess i'll do the status quo because i've done it this long so i guess whatever that's and actually really, good really incremental I hadn't thought about like that rep- idea of representation of government, which is really what we have. That's what it's supposed to be. Right? What it's supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's, what, that's why we have a parliament and not yeah. like, a, a king. That's it. Yeah. Well, actually, we, we do technically have a queen also, but. They Yo, don't, they don't shout have out any, to like, Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> effective ruling power. Yeah. Her, her job is to be on the $20 bill. Yeah. For you Americans <laughs> who are listening to us. <laughs> We love we we're okay with the queen. She doesn't really well, do much. <laughs> Quebec doesn't love the queen. Quebec does not love the queen. It's always funny about hashtag not my queen about Quebec <laughs> and not liking the queen because they don't like the. If you're American and and you're wondering what what what's up with that, it's because uh, England or Great Britain or the UK or whatever you want to call them is seen as, and this always blows my mind, as like. A foreign imperialist conqueror. I mean, they are. No, no, no. I, they are. I'm not saying that they're not. But the fact that people here, French people here, take issue with that as to why that's why they don't like 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 British and slash Canadian federal government when they themselves are imperialists. Like, yeah. why do you think you're here? It's like, when did you get yeah. here? Hey, what, hey, what, hey. They, they don't they're, like they're, colon- they don't like English colonialism. Oh yeah, okay. French colonial. Yeah, French colonialism. Our colonialism is fine, <laughs> but that, that's, the, that's the thing with Quebec. Everybody in the province yeah. of Quebec thinks they're the underdog. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. If you're an English speaker, you think you're the underdog because like the French are 
are in power at the provincial level. Yeah. But if you're a French speaker, you think the English are the are are the oppressor because at the federal level they're in charge, right? Mm-hmm. It's such a it's such a fucking weird situation. But it's just the way that they talk about it. It's a it's it's like they think of themselves as how natives in this country yeah. and in the U.S. have been treated. Like yeah. Like and yeah. it's not even comparable. That's why I'm. That's why I say Absolutely it always blows not. my mind because it's not the same thing. I mean, you have responsible government at the provincial level. You have representation at the federal level. You have uh, French Canadian yeah, prime ministers there's... and premiers and people on the Supreme Court. Like three justices have to be from Quebec. Like yeah, yeah. The court there's, system. there's a federal party. Yeah, that is just the Quebec party. There is that. Whereas and, natives, and, and it's a significant federal party. It's like the it's like our fourth party. You know, there's yeah. that. But like, even if you're the the other two or the other parties also have to have French accommodations. Yeah, it's it's let's literally say. baked into like the law Canadian Canadian laws that Quebec gets representation because they're such a big fucking but, province. But it, it is it is it is like I don't know, I don't know if we I don't know if we want to like dive into like Quebec separatism. I don't oh think no, I really that's going to be an episode like for, for oh, another day. That. But like like that will be coming is... up. But just touch on it here. Just again the political framework, the status quo that exists here. All I'm saying is that like being against English imperialism. Okay, fine, but it's like you just have to acknowledge that you are imperialist as well. That's why you're Absolutely. here. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. If you're if you're like if you're indigenous or a person of color, then it's just like it's just all the white people, regardless of if they're English or French, are are the like oppressor. You know? Well, yeah, that's I usually think of it as you're just complaining about other white people. Yeah. Like like <laughs> like the the French Canadians here. I'm like you're just upset that other white people came and beat you. Yeah. But that's literally it. <laughs> You're just as imperialistic. You're just as colonialist. Like when you have a date, when you you could say when you got here, you're not from here. Mm-hmm. So that was a small, <laughs> yeah, small let's, little, let's, small little detour. Let's, let's circle back. And <laughs> it's something we'll address another day because that's a whole topic in and of itself. But again, it deals with whatever the status quo is, which is what initially we were talking about mm-hmm. in terms of like the medium is the message. So that's gonna frame how politics work in Quebec and then also essentially frame how politics works in Canada because you have to take all these things into consideration so that's going to dictate if you're a political party how you act more so than whatever it is your personal views or your personal policies that you want to implement you can't just do whatever you want there's a whole framework that's in place that you have to follow and that's going to dictate what you do even then like there are so many degrees of um, mediums being their own message. Like even within that, right? Like if you have a certain political party, that is a kind of medium for a certain kind of message, right? Like mm-hmm. the conservatives don't represent the same thing as the liberals do. Although, you know, yeah, te- technically they, they have different values, right? So being branding yourself as somebody in the conservative party gives a certain kind of message the way in which the population receives those kinds of things the kind of broadcasting they use right like if you're a subscriber to the good old mail you might have which is a, a newspaper here uh you that like inherently talks about different kinds of things and writes different kinds of things framing certain uh, policies as like left or right um well and, like, yeah go for it <laughs> well, well tied, tied to, to what you're saying about about like uh like news media is is like we have a state run News. Yeah, the yeah. CBC, CBC Radio Canada, yeah, which is state run, and that will do de- that like that as a medium will deliver different content than than uh like 
privately like run privately media. Owned. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, news media. Yeah, or e- e- even even not even just the news media. Like 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 if you look at like the programs on CBC television, they're all fairly status quo. E right? They're they're not going to mm-hmm. challenge you too much because they they're it's funded by the government, and the government has to be like, well, yeah, we are only going to fund shit that is like for all Canadians. It's you know? it's so true. Yeah, I think of stuff like Shit's Creek and Corner Gas and Kim's Convenience. All well, of Corner Gas is not uh, not from CBC. Oh, really? No, no. it's on uh, it's Bell Media. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, but, but Shit's Creek is is Shit's Creek CBC funded? Yeah, CBC so. yeah. Uh, show, and so is Kim's uh, Convenience. Yeah, I know Kim's Convenience is. I I like that show a lot. Kim's but, Convenience I mean, is really I've never, good. I've never watched an episode of Kim's Convenience. It's really good. I think you'd like it. Oh, yeah? But, yeah, you uh, would like it. You would like I'll it. I'll check it out. Uh, it's 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 good, and, like, it does, like, um, it is, it is like, left-leaning, because it's about, you know, like, like uh, immigrants and, and, and whatnot. But it's it's still pretty tame, right? Exactly. Like, that's, that's what I was about to say, right? Like, it has that, like, frame yeah. of being of an immigrant story, but it doesn't, like, push too many buttons, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, they, they had that... Like there was an episode, because uh, it's a, it's about a um, a Korean Canadian family in Toronto, and they had an episode where like uh, one of the characters was one of the Korean Canadian characters was was doing an impression of of like like the chef at a restaurant he was at, who was Korean. He was doing the accent and stuff, and then a white lady comes in and does the same accent, and he's like, "Whoa, you can't do that," you know. And I was like, "Oh, cool, they're gonna talk about that," but they didn't really. They just kind of did that. It was like. They touched on it, and then they didn't say any opinions on that issue. They were just like, "Oh, look, th- this is a topic of debate. Discuss Canada." There's that, but there's also the fact that, yeah, so maybe it won't push too hard on like the Canadian identity, at least as we're perceived internationally. But there's also a question of um, <laughs> would a show like Kim's Convenience even get made under a private system, mm-hmm. right? Because fair enough. If you're like Bell Media, would you take a chance on a show about Korean immigrants? I can't believe Bell produces Corner Gas. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it kind of tracks. Right? I'm you so you kind of get that in, in general. Like if you look at kind of like what gets made in the U.S. where everything is basically through private funding compared yeah. to something like the CBC or other uh, arts grants uh, programs that are set up here. You get different things because the goal of those of those programs is not to generate profit. Yeah, well, yeah, and 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 there is a CBC mandate to reflect the diversity of Canada. Like that's something Absolutely. like Canada is really into. Yeah, and they do a decent job of trying to reflect the diversity of Canada, which I I don't know for a fact, but I assume is how Kim's Convenience got made. Probably. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably from some grants and stuff like that going for that like mandate. But it's something that that you see that you do have to take into consideration, yeah. like through I, how things get funded. Yeah, I was actually just about to bring up a different, like on the same kind of note, right? Like we get that kind of thing from the CBC. Uh, but for instance, uh, in Quebec has Quebec has its own like mm-hmm. media, right? Like, and I'm gonna bring. I need. I think you know what I'm gonna talk about, Dexter. Uh, the Quebec ma- version of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that's that's like a, a great counterpoint to Kim. Yeah, Canadians. exactly, right? So, like, Quebec has their own kind of media, Quebecor and Tivia, uh, which is 
television something something i don't know I what tva know. stands for i don't actually yeah. don't know what tva stands for uh and tva greenlit its own version of brooklyn 99 which is you know obviously a, a well-known show yeah it's an american uh, sitcom Amer- if you don't know it go and, watch and it the, it's very it, good like, quebec often does do that it, it, it'll adapt american sit- sitcoms in french, french. well to be french. fair a lot of places a lot of tv is international a lot of concepts a lot a lot of stuff is actually israeli like a lot of tv shows come from israel and they're readapted but it happens all over the world you get this cross-cultural yeah. Yeah. television production like we had we had the the french version of the office i never the i never saw the french version of the office me neither i'm sure it's trash um, but yeah, continue yeah, with your Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, the point I was trying to make is that so in that uh, so so Brooklyn Nine Nine is really is is well known for you know having like a diverse cast of people of color uh, and, and Raymond Holt being homosexual, right? In the Quebecois version of Brooklyn Nine Nine, they recast Rosa Diaz and Amy Santiago. Uh, Santiago thank you, Dexter, uh, as white women. Yeah, just just you know because yeah. Quebec. Quebec is full of white people. Yeah, I was, I was, I was talking. To, no, I was talking to my sister about that, and it's like an argument that that was made was that they didn't, they didn't cast them as as um, Latina actresses because there's not a huge Latina community. That's in just not true, Quebec, though. Which, firstly, isn't true. But if even if that is true, then go ahead and reflect some other minority, right? Yeah. Like, like you could totally make them like Algerian or something. Yeah, or Haitian. You know? Like, or like, might make them make like we're like because one of the like defining features of brooklyn 99 is that it's diverse and that it tries to be diverse yeah it's, it's so weird to make them all white and it's not true that quebec is white because yeah look at montreal it's so not white exactly those are the values that quebec has <laughs> yeah well yeah that's our yeah that's definitely the value system of quebec quebec is very uh yeah right yeah so that not that, to get into quebec separatism that speaks <laughs> that speaks to of course the status quo and the medium circling back of of what we find here uh in yeah. this province and in the country in general because a lot of the time you could these arguments that we're bringing here we could apply to canada like across across the country because mm-hmm. it's obviously seen as white generally yeah and a lot of the times you don't see reflections of the different cultures the different minority groups that live here and partake in everyday society. Yeah, yeah. Like whenever anybody asks me about my like my heritage, I'll just say I'm Canadian to be like, oh, I don't feel like having this conversation. But they're never satisfied with that. It's like, yeah, you're Canadian, but like, but... you look funny. <laughs> Where are you from, really? Question mark. Yeah. And it's the same thing though. You find like another because like all major countries, however you want to define the term major, though, have other groups of people that that mm-hmm. live there. No, no one place is like homogenous in terms of like, well, everyone is from this community. Because even other, like you, you think of like European countries, they have their different ethnic groups that yeah. live within within the borders of of that nation state, and they're not necessarily. They may look white, but they're not all like the same. Well, yeah, ethnicity. Like, think, think of the UK, right? Like, oh yeah, like Scotland is not the same place as England, and they'll fucking tell you. They'll get so mad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But you find it like in other in other regions, like in Spain and like France, there are groups of people that live there that don't necessarily de- uh, define themselves as being French or being Spanish. Yeah. So this this is, this is not a problem unique to U.S. because a lot of times they get placed on U.S. and Canada because it's like oh we're countries of immigrants where people have come from overseas, which is true. 
aside from uh you know native groups that, that that are from here but even in like european countries it's the same thing you have other populations groups that kind of got lumped into a certain nation state and they kind of like that nationality doesn't fully represent them so it's not it's not just unique to to to, to us and canada it happens all over and then you have modern immigration where people move over move all over you know so it like who is french who is italian who's german like there's no one defining set of qualities of what that person looks like. It could mm-hmm. be it could be anyone. Well, at least in this like idealized version that I've created here. Let's take it back for a second here to um we talked about uh news media. So that's like a big big thing for uh this idea of the medium is the message because the way we talk about certain events through news media, depending on how that place is funded. Yeah, absolutely. So here we talked about that we have a news organization like the CBC, which is like government funded. The type of stories that they're going to publish may be different from what you'd see like from Bell or I think Kojiko or Quebecor, right? All these privately owned media companies or newspaper companies are in the u.s too like that's going to dictate like how certain things are framed we see that what kind of message you get yeah all the time so one of the examples that that i have is like whenever there's like a terror incident that happens if someone is of like middle eastern descent or like arab or foreign in some way it's always oh this person is a that's always like the first thing is all this person even if we don't know who the person is when something like that happens yeah they're labeled a radical it's always a terrorist doesn't matter like i said this is before we even know we could not even know who the person is just the event happens so it was like an explosion or there's a shooting or whatever it is oh some terrorist action because yes they've have happened in the past i'm not saying like they you know doesn't happen at all but our, that's our first instinct we find out it's someone white who did it we get the whole treasure trove of uh, all these complications that they have in their life. Yeah, yeah, this individual acting on their own. Yes, it's not Extreme emblematic of a larger problem. We never say, oh, white people are violent or all white yeah. people are terrorists. It's just this one individual. story as to why they did this. They have mental health issues. And it's like you just don't see it in the same way well. as someone who is non-white. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say the the dragging up of, of backstory uh, does happen to people of color. I recently read this, uh, an article about a, in, uh, here, a, a case where an indigenous woman was killed by a white person who, like, threw something out of their vehicle uh, that, like, basically chopped her head off as it was, or, like, ver- viciously maimed her in some way. And for some reason, the defense of this dude brought up this woman's like medical and history and history of alcoholism as some for oh, no yeah. her, her alcoholism obviously led to her getting her head cut off. Of course, that's fucked up. I know it's it's. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting caught on like how she. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, so you see those things where like, yeah, the people who are the victims of you know violence whether it's state violence or it's uh you know private individuals committing this violence 
there's a whole you know plethora uh, or plethora of excuses as to why this individual acted this way and but the victim everything that you know they sneezed once and didn't say excuse me you know yeah becomes yeah, like a like, big fucking problem it's like it's like when george floyd died like they brought up that he was drunk or something at the time it's like okay but that doesn't explain why he was murdered yeah like okay he was drunk but you shouldn't be murdered because you're drunk like yeah it's, that's not it's the stuff issue that's here. like irrelevant and same thing like for trayvon martin uh when he was killed uh you know it's the same thing it's like oh these issues in his past blah blah, blah it's like they had nothing to do yeah, with whatever happened at, at the current incident like that's not that's not really relevant and so you'll see a lot of this leniency given to like white, you know, supremacists or like Nazis or whatever. Like there was this new, I think it was New York times. Was it New York magazine or was it the New York or something like that where they did like this profile on like this person who was like a white supremacist trying to show like, Oh, they're just everyday people like you and me. Yeah. If I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. Oh my God. Yeah. But it was just kind of like this thing, like, even uh, a couple of years ago when you had like a uh, high profile, uh, what's the word that they call them? Alt-right. Even even coming up with the term alt-right, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, we're going to l- give this leniency to this like hateful ideology. Yeah. And instead of, instead of calling it like, like, yeah. like the radical right or like uh, white supremacy, you, you call it alt-right because it's more digestible. And the reason is because that's the framework in which we live. Yeah. Right, that's going well, to dictate because the that's what maintains the status quo. That's kind of like a huge influence of like North American culture and and, and customs is the importation of slaves. Now Canada didn't have um a huge industry around slavery like the U.S. did, but those those kind of perceptions of people who are non-white like don't stop at the border. Even though mm-hmm. we did have slaves here too, not like I said, not as prolific, not as widespread, but it did happen. And you do have a lot of places here where it's just like white is seen as like that's the only that's the only way to be. Well, yeah, and, and the idea that that uh, non-white people are are labor, right? Like that's that's still that's an idea that's still pretty baked into Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So you you see, like when when you have the framework that argues essentially that like ways are superior, like it's going to affect every level of our society coming down. So that's why yeah, it if you doesn't... keep reading articles from a certain from publishers and from yeah. media outlets that like tout this kind of thing, even if it's like right, like having a Times article or having a Times profile on an alt, on a guy from the alt right isn't isn't the New York Times or whatever like saying outright that they support white supremacy but it's like it's it gives it like, legitimacy kind of, it's, that, it's, that, it's that subliminal kind yeah. of thing right well and and, and like on oh, the issue is that it's like yeah sure like go ahead and, and do a profile on on a white supremacist but you should be reporting on everybody in the same kind of way if you want to be an objective journalist exactly. you know like you, you shouldn't be humanizing one side and demonizing the other side and that's, that's that, and that's what we see. We see those like little the ways things are worded or headlines are created. They're always like uh, cast people yeah. of color in, in a negative light, generally speaking, compared to someone who's not who yeah. is white. You don't have that exact same kind of framing. 
Well, and and to bring it back to the like the internet issue, it's it's that you you need to build a narrative for engagement, right? Because like mm. that's the problem when you're like 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 well, it's not the problem because you do want privately owned media, but like like when when you have like for profit news media, their objective is mostly to sell their sell their news. It's not to report than like the news as accurately yeah, and nuanced as possible exactly. they need to have a narrative right they need to have like everything's an editorial now right you have to have a point of view to tell the story of the news yeah that's so true i've seen like way more editorials on things in the last like year than yeah well the news is highly highly editorialized but whenever you try to say hey uh, like even calling something as racist, right? You'll have pushback from people being like, oh, you got to be objective. You can't say that this person acted like mm -hmm. a racist or like a bigot or whatever. like if you look at someone like Donald Trump, oh, you can't say that because that's not objective. But on the other side, when it's like, you know, it's something that promotes or, or at least doesn't heavily criticize something like hateful or supporting white supremacy then it's like eh, those concerns kind of drift off yeah, mm -hmm. off slide. to the side yeah it's funny that the idea of object objectivity is made by those who create the the, the yeah yeah Wh whoever's in power right? decides what objectivity means right because objectivity doesn't really exist right no. it's like hey, we all experience the, the world through ourselves exactly but like if you have all the money and you run the news media then you kind of get to set the parameters of what objectivity means mm -hmm. right and that's where we get like um clickbait stuff that we see all the time it doesn't really matter if it's a high more highly quote-unquote respectable news source or if it's something yeah. like buzzfeed or yeah. a whole bunch of right-wing propaganda quote-unquote news organizations or uh yeah but like websites like, oh, like 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 tabloids and like 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 the the new yorker they both yeah. have to do clickbait yeah exactly it's the medium now right the their own version the of clickbait yeah yeah the medium is the internet so part of the, how you do that is everything is clickbait now yeah Things fat, even yeah. When you have the the twenty four hours news cycle, that's all going to dictate how you yeah, report news. Whether it's whether it's like the how prime minister's decision on the pipeline, or if it's someone's side boob, it's still clickbait. You know. Yeah, because you need that engagement, you need the clicks, and you sell the ad space. So this always ties back to the capitalistic system yes. that we live in. Because it, all these companies trying to generate profit, and that's their main goal. So, like in the last episode where we said corporations are not your friend, this is why it's because they need to generate revenue. That's all they care about, just generating revenue for the shareholders, for their execs, their board, whatever. That's all. That's all it is. If something positive happens to come out on the other end, okay, fine, we'll take it. We can use it to say, hey, exactly. we did this good thing. But at the end of the day, they don't really care about doing that "quote unquote" good yeah. thing. It's more about can well, we and, make and, money. And it's basically impossible to to like have a news media like website that doesn't do that because if you don't do that, if you don't engage in 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 the game, then you're you're gonna get shut down. Yeah, exactly. You you you're not gonna no, you're not gonna have traction because you're not playing yeah. the game right. So people exactly. like, well, these guys don't even know how to report news because they're not getting traction that's it i was gonna say like uh much earlier that like 
if you want to know what your like the political leanings of your like favorite news casting or something just be critical of like the words that they use and stuff mm-hmm. but like this brings a very different kind of dimension to it right like it's not just like oh mclean's wrote this thing that like condemns trust and trudeau as the new leader of social liber of like socialism right like that's not just about it's not just about mclean's political ideology it's mm-hmm. them like also wanting to profit off of that right yeah like because i reacted to that and i because i i don't I, i'm into socialism if just if you're in case you're wondering and i was like oh this is the terrible this is the worst thing i've ever i've ever read in my life and i was gonna share it and i was like wait a second that's the point. This is what they want. That's the point. It's not about their opinion, right? The no. medium, it's, it's like the medium is more important than the message. It doesn't matter what they're saying about socialism. It's just it's you not- say the word socialism, everybody's polarized immediately, yeah. right? So like that might not even be their real opinion, Yeah. right? They just want people to share this, this story. Exactly. And Whether what gets dangerous or- is when like nobody checks that, right? Like people are just like, you take that for granted, that this is like, oh, like, oh, yes, this either either A, like, yes, this is their political ideology, or oh, it's McLean's. They write about like economic stuff. Of course, they're gonna be, you know, not into socialism, right? But if you're not critical of that kind of thing, your own the way that you interact with the world is then like changed via that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point there. So <laughs> Uh, so whatever, whatever guys <laughs> no 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 you're right you're right it's my, you're right. It's my, my galaxy brain thing for today <laughs> it's all good it's all good i guess this will probably be the last thing we'll touch on here is like in the realm of advertising because this is obviously something that plays into a whole host of ideas so around uh you know capitalism around consumerism around us as individuals trying to navigate the world uh, a lot of what we interact with are advertisements so whether it's an article written by mclean's whether it's like a shell putting out an ad or putting out a tweet like making a twitter poll oh yeah <laughs> asking how you're gonna fucking reduce the carbon footprint but even things like that the idea of a carbon footprint and stuff comes from these companies even like even if you want to take a look at recycling, I was reading about this the other day. The idea of recycling, a lot of it comes from plastics producers themselves. I think we read the same exact article, Pablo. Very possible, and, and this uh, extends into to all sorts of industries. But uh, for recycling, as an example, it's like we're all told, "Oh yeah, okay, you got to recycle." So you you take whatever it is and you put it in your green bin. But a lot of recycling doesn't actually work. The basis being that it's really difficult to recycle stuff because all the, all the different plastics are different. So you can't, it's not like metal or glass where you can just melt it all down and then recombine it. Plastic is, like I said, there's so many different types of plastic that you can't just mix them all together. And this is something we don't think about as like just individuals or as consumers. So we're told that we, the responsibility lies with us when the responsibility lies with the manufacturers. But wanting to avoid having to do that, they just kind of create these kind of campaigns and saying, oh, it's your responsibility to recycle. Yeah. The whole well, yeah. idea, I would go for it, Dexter. Well, it's like, it's like, like when you recycle like your water bottle, it's like you don't really 
have that much effect. There'd be way more effect if you just weren't sold a disposable water bottle, right? Like if, if the companies just stopped selling those things and sold reusable things, right? And then and gave you water as a resource. Uh, like that has a huge, way bigger effect than individuals recycling their water bottles. But they don't want to do that change because that's radical change. That's, no. that's significant structural change to, to like the way that water is distributed. Not even that, but economically, right? Single-use plastics are in, are like way more profitable than something that can be reused multiple times. So they're incentivized not to change that status quo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like it's like cars, right? If if you have to buy or, or phones, like cell phones, right? If you buy a new cell phone every year, then Apple gets money from you every mm -hmm. year. But if like Nokia gives you one phone that will last forever, you never have to replace your phone. Still have my old 2007 Nokia somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably working. Oh, damn. Uh, um, what I was going to say was, yeah, uh, to reference this like article that I'm sure I, that I also read, uh, like people in the 80s or even before that, like realized that like, pollution and plastic uh was going to be a huge issue for us in the long term and this idea of like the three r's right reduce reuse recycle what gained more traction in the public eye and exactly what this article says is that like corporations like honed in on the recycle aspect and not yeah. the reduce and reuse aspects and brought it into their marketing mm -hmm. campaigns and promoted that versus the other two whereas so that now right when we think about climate uh like your act like personal actions of climate of how to deal with climate change recycling is like the biggest thing that you think of not reducing your input or like reducing mm -hmm. your consumerism right it's all fucking planned guys yeah well yeah it's it's the same thing as um electric cars right electric cars have been around since the beginning of the 20th century mm -hmm. but but oil companies were like oh we don't want those because then we can't sell you guys oil anymore so you guys mind just making more of the of, of the of the ones that need that need our petrol and then they start doing it and then they were like oh we can keep selling our selling you our petrol you know exactly but even and, then... and now now that it's, we're more desperate we can start we start leaning toward uh electric cars but we could have fully electric cars for the price of of your like regular ass fucking civic or corolla absolutely but that would be radical change and that would that would fuck up you know shell and stuff so we'll make sure that electric cars are luxury items like Tesla's. But that's the thing, though, even with um, with the automotive industry, just using as an example and then tying this in with like uh, recycling and all that stuff. It's like uh, electric cars aren't going to be our, sa our savior. You can't. This is the problem with capitalism. You can't have capitalism. That's also a social benefit. It'd be nice mm -hmm. in an idealistic world. It'd be nice that. Hey, I can make a little bit of money and we could do something good for the environment. Whenever I hear like this is better, the question I always have is compared to what? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's like if we have electric cars, yes. Well, are we going to reduce like our demand for oil and so on? Sure. Is it better for the environment in terms of like the, the, the exhaust that's put out? Yes. But then we have another problem, which is like, ties into the recycling what do you do with all the electrical fuel cells mm -hmm. what, what's going to happen to that that's a question that we don't have an answer to right now so in the long run is that going to be better if we have these electric vehicles and then we have these batteries what happens when they die where do they go well yeah, yeah. it's like you can't get that changed without without changing the structure right mm -hmm. if the underlying structure is the same you're going to end up in the, with the same problems right well it's like 
when you don't change the underlying structure, you get the same problems. Is is like is like can't be more obvious than comparing the 2008 crash, economic crash to to now. Yeah. Right. It's like we're we're it's the exact same problems we're having. Absolutely, because the structural problems of cap of like the the system were not addressed. Yeah. Yeah. They were just they were just duct taped over. Yeah. It's specifically about electric cars, Pav, because you got me on this now. Yes. I watched this really good video. Um, is an Adam ruins everything video, which is a great show on True TV. Yeah. I know. Yeah, that shit's funny. Um talking about exactly this right like in this in the scenario is this guy who's like oh like i just bought a new electric car i'm gonna do great for the environment and adam like debunks the whole thing right yeah um but they go on to say that like I, i'm definitely misquoting this but like it's the at one point the guy goes like okay so should, we should all just like stop using our cars and all buy electric cars and the the impact of that would still not be enough of like it's it would be better to like continue using the cars we have but like reducing that over the course of time and slowly transitioning to that than hard transitioning well like what you really want is you want to get rid of like i mean this is me ranting my opinions but it's like it's like that's what we're here for you you want to get rid of like individual cars right you don't want individual cars what you need and this is like again structural change it's like you need the government to pay for public transportation right because if because because like we don't have enough buses to replace all the cars and no, no one wants to replace their car because then they have to go on crowded buses. Right. So you have to do this, but it's so hard to do that. Cause you, cause the only way for that to go smoothly is if you do it like overnight, but you can't really do it overnight. No, it's a painful actually, process. That something so much that actually happened. I think it was in Finland. They had a day where they went from driving on um, like the, the right side of the street to driving the left side of the street. Okay. And they had like a campaign where like for like months in advance they were like everybody like this people. is the day after that day you can't drive on the right side of the street anymore you have to go to the left side. I imagine this is going to be a clusterfuck. No, it actually went like Oh, it super went well. Smooth. Oh, okay. It went super smooth because nice. the, the because the government went all in on it because the government was like this is like I mean it, it had no cuz their motivation was was to um to or I think they went from the left side to the right side or something. Okay. They yeah, wanted to they, they wanted to reduce accidents because the cars were built to be driven on the opposite side of the street they were being driven on. Okay. You know, like yeah. they're like driving American cars in Europe. Okay. Um, so they wanted to change it to reduce accidents, which they did do after the first like month or so that That's this crazy. change was implemented. But then it went back to the back to normal after that because everyone oh. was super safe when they changed size because they're like, I don't know how to drive on this side. Then once people got comfortable, they were went back to before. whatever. Yeah, uh... but it, but it was actually like a really smooth change because like. The government went all in on on the on the PR campaign for it, like and like they even like made like a pop song uh-huh. to like promote it. That was like it was just like a like a and like it was a pop song that had like a sexual innuendo in it, so everybody thought it was hilarious. That's and incredible. like it was a genuinely popular song. That's so cool. I thought you were gonna. I thought this was gonna be like a gloom story, but that's actually no, very yeah. Footage. That like tells to the pos- the possibility of yeah, of, like, of radical, radical change. change. Ra- yeah. Radical I mean, change like, implant- implemented over like you know the course. It of time. ended up being pointless change. Like the change didn't solve any problems. But the potential is there. But the change itself happened, and and like it, it was a really successful government PR campaign. We'll and see. tying that into like the medium as the message, right? Like that that campaign was successful. Like that transition was successful because of the medium in which they did it yeah well it will be because like yeah the the government had like they they like they they took complete control of of how of how the topic was being discussed right Mm -hmm. 
like like they they and they like squashed dissent against it you know by making it into like a fun pop song that's one way to think of it but i don't know how you equally frightened me and made me laugh well well, well, that's the thing with any change right is that like like it's it's what it's like what i was saying about like the prime minister like has to implement change but also reflect the population it's like to do radical change you have to ignore somebody Mm. you know that's Even if point. those people are, are white supremacists, you still have to ignore them. You know? Not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. But <laughs> somebody's being ignored. Yeah. Well, yeah, someone... Yeah, well, you're never going to please everyone, so you have to decide. But most of the time, it's like we rest on, on the status quo because it's easier to maintain... Yeah, to just please everyone. To maintain yeah. or, that... Or keep everyone middle. at, like, a 60% pleasure. Yeah. But speaking of, of like pop songs, it's just like <laughs> thinking. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> thinking of sixty percent pleasure <laughs> of music. This is this is just uh, an idea that like came into my head here. Is that uh, you know sometimes you have like those like uh, like club numbers or whatever or like really dancey tunes, but then when you actually read the lyrics, you see like they're super depressing. Pablo, mm-hmm. are you seventy years old? No. <laughs> some really dancing tunes. Is. Yeah, you're dancing tunes. Okay, I'm sorry. You don't appreciate my lingo. I'm sorry. I know what you're talking about. So I didn't the say it, it slaps or whatever the current lingo is. All right. But it's like that, that's kind of the thing. Like when you're in the framework of like, oh, I'm going to the club to dance and I just want to hear something. Where like I just go all out and just groove to the music. That's where you don't pay attention to the lyrics, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of songs where like when you listen to it, it's actually quite dark or sad or you know it's not, it's not happy as the music sounds. But that's not your concern. So you're primed for like the 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 medium of like I'm just going out to dance and have fun and be uplifting and upbeat, but. Because I'm not paying attention. That's why, like, it doesn't, even though the song itself, so the actual, like, words are something that is sad and depressing or violent or whatever it is. But because the music and the, the framework in which I'm listening to this music isn't that, that's, yeah. what, that's what signals to me. That's the, that's the actual message of the song. That's what's yeah, going to yeah, dictate exactly. how I react to the song. Yeah, you're in a club, so the message of the song is dance. Yeah, right. so regardless of, of what the, the actual song is saying, because you, you hear, like, um, like, Pumped Up Kicks. Like, I remember yeah. that was a Yo, hugely yeah. popular song. And, you know, you just kind of know the lyrics, all the other kids. I'm not going to continue because I don't want to copyright claim. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> you know, you, you have that. And then when you, it's like, oh, wait, it's actually about someone, like, shooting <laughs> their, like, uh, their schoolmates or whatever. School shooting, yeah. yeah. It doesn't necessarily connect right away because it's uh, this happy beat, this uplifting mm-hmm. beat. It's kind of got a groove to it. I want to kind of dance to it. It's the same thing that I noticed uh, with acting. So I took an acting class at Concordia, and we had this exercise where uh, we had an intention. So uh, there was an activity that we wanted to do, and there's two people. So we did this exercise with two people, and the rest of the class watched. and they had two kind of like opposing intentions that they had to accomplish or goals that they had to accomplish in this little exercise. So one person was sitting down on a chair 
and the other person wanted that person to get up so they could sit down on the chair. But when they talked, they had they only had like one line that they could say. So, uh, you know, you couldn't like oh give a whole speech about why you should get no no you had this one line or this one word that's all you could say. Now mm-hmm. we weren't told. I'm telling you this now because it's after the fact, but when we were watching it, we weren't told what each person was told. It was just told to that one individual, and then we just watch and observe. But you could come up with a story just based on the actions and, and mm-hmm. the expressions and the emotions that were conveyed. So it didn't matter what the words were. Mm. Some people yeah, yeah. figured it out and said, oh, hey, okay, he wants... But other people had like more intricate details like this was a couple fighting about something, mm-hmm. right? So the environment dictated what the message was, not the words. Because if you listen to the words themselves, they didn't make sense, right? If you're saying, uh, you know, everyone is happy, that could be your sentence that you say. Everyone is mm-hmm. happy. That doesn't mean anything in terms of like the context of what we're observing. But through all these other things, you can understand what is going on that's why a lot of the time in film or television if you want to touch on that a little bit it doesn't necessarily matter you can have scenes like i know wally for example they want to have no dialogue i believe that was the original intention was to have absolutely no dialogue but you could do that you could do a film or television show with no words for sure or saying like the same everyone says the same sentence over again and, but you and you would still understand because you have these other outside factors that are going to dictate what is happening and not necessarily the specific content of the words coming out of their mouth. That would have been really cool, actually. Wally, but without any words. Yeah, but they got cold feet and they're like, now we can't do a whole movie like that. Yeah, that seems like a capitalism thing. <laughs> yeah. That seems like a, Disney's <laughs> like, okay, we'll yeah. let you make this movie, but you gotta put some people in it. So we will end there. Uh, thank you for listening. This has been The Medium is the Message. Now, before we go, we have a special message from one of our special podcast people. All right. All right. All right. Listen Listen to these talking points. Okay. Actually, wait. No, this is just a blurb. Oh. Uh, okay. So I have a podcast, October Jones and Fish with Legs. Uh, lighthearted and kid-friendly, but also explores deep themes for grown-ups to enjoy. Uh socially engaged clean fantasy fun that's a talking point too i could talk about that um the summary is fish with legs a fish with legs is a mystical demigod with elemental powers october jones a strange and antisocial human girl is a conspiracy theorist they go on adventures um fish is a demigod (laughs) according to this text i'm reading (laughs) (laughs) uh the episodes are short and they come out weekly on mondays um when is this coming out uh wednesday in two weeks in two weeks yeah i think our mid-season finale is about to come out Dece- i think this episode will come out december 2nd oh i think our mid-season finale just came out on monday go check it out october and fish it's very good yeah no you need to say something point? controversial so people oh. will rage listen uh I can say objectively that our podcast is better than Citizen Kane. Oh shit! Okay, it's on now. So yeah. now you have to go and listen to like, <laughs> like, like it, it is. It definitely wrong. is. Like, I, like if you think I'm wrong, you should go listen to it, and then you can shout at me about why. It's, me in the comments. It's you can not, but like me. it obviously is. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm not so bold to say that it's as good as Space Jam, 
Um, I will be so bold. Oh, damn. Tweet okay. me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tweet All right. Me. It's All right. on. So be sure to check out the uh, October Jones and Fish with Legs podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Yep. So just well, just search for it. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, October and Fish. Ooh, maybe I'll put links in there. We'll see. <gasps> we'll see if you can click on it. But yes, I have been your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi, and with me today, special podcast people, Dexter and Alex. So Thank with you for that, listening. Oh, I'm Dexter. He's Alex. Uh, yes. We didn't introduce ourselves. Have we ever introduced ourselves? I think you did. I don't know. We did at the beginning. I just assume that we've been doing this so long that people just know our voices by now. Usually, you you guys say something, and I assume people take it like when I say Dexter, Alex, then I think you. Dexter talk and then Alex talk, so I assume people make the connection. But it's all good. So, (laughs) with that, everyone, please stay safe. Thank you once again for listening. Be sure to check out the October and Jones podcast. Oh, October Jones and Fish with Legs podcast. Watch out for my voice in an upcoming episode. See if you can spot me. Everyone, be safe. Wear a mask. Peace.